This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, welcome to the Health Check podcast from The Straits Times. I'm senior health correspondent Joyce Dew. In this episode, we shall tackle the topic of family conflicts and how best to resolve them. Our special guest today is Ms. Angie Chu, a mindfulness expert and the founder and chief executive of the Brahm Center. Angie was our special guest for a recent RSST at NLB video session where she spoke about how to stay sane in the COVID-19 economic downturn. So we've invited her back today to share her insights on managing family conflicts with us. Hi Angie, welcome to the program. Hello Joyce, nice to see you again. Yes, it's good to have you with us again. So let's talk about how we can reduce family conflicts. So a family goes through different stages and some of these can cause conflict. So this include living together as a couple, the birth of a child when the child goes to school, and so on. There can also be stressful changes in a family situation, such as moving to a new flat, going through a divorce, or a major illness. So let's start with the first year challenges of living together as a couple. Okay, when two people come together, usually there's a lot of expectations and also a sense of idealism, some of which are helpful because they have a certain goal to aim for in terms of how they would like to live together as a couple. Some cases, it is not helpful because it is an expectation that is going to be hard to attain. So the question is, when two people come together, do they have a very open communication channel? Are they able to share with each other how they feel and some of the things that they find it difficult to handle without projecting on their partner would be helpful. And to speak from an I perspective, like I feel hurt when you say that or I feel a little bit uncomfortable when you do that. That sort of language is more helpful than will you stop doing that or can you not say this because uh, it makes me really angry. So when there's a very accusing voice or accusing words that are being used, then the other person gets very defensive. And this usually leads to conflicts. So our choice of words and the tone we use is very helpful in reducing the amount of conflict when we are especially living together and we're seeing and being with each other almost 24 by 7, especially in this time where a lot of people are working from home and uh, they have less time being apart. Getting used to each other's habits, I guess. Indeed, because uh, when people are just dating, they usually see the best of each other. And they're living together, you are seeing everything of that person. And some things that you're not used to because you have not been conditioned in the same way as your partner. And they may have habits that you find inappropriate or unacceptable because you've been conditioned that they are inappropriate and unacceptable. And this is a time to reflect on our judgments as to how important these judgments are. Because the more negative judgments we have of a person, then we will have a more unpleasant experience. But if we can practice putting some of these negative judgments aside and focus on what is it that we are doing as a couple, why we have even got together, and the meeting of the hearts, which is really the meeting of the minds, is what needs to be focused on time after time. Right, so it's to constantly remind ourselves the reason for getting together in the first place. So it's really important that we focus on the reasons why, as a couple, we have gotten together and also to focus on the positives of each other because everyone has habits or negatives. But if we choose to focus on the negatives, then we are going to have a negative relationship. If we choose to focus on the positives of each other, then it will be a positive relationship. 
And in the meantime, is to be able to express some of the irritations or agitation that we experience to see if our partner is willing to adapt or to adjust. And usually if we say it in a nice way, it is more palatable and the other person is more likely to say, okay, I will try to change my habit. But if we are coming across as demanding and even um, very aggressive, then our partner is likely to be defensive and even dig their heels in and say, no, this is the way I am. Accept me as I am. And then usually it leads to more conflicts. Right. Yeah, let's talk about the next stage of life and, you know, the birth of a baby. That's usually an exciting phase, but it's also, I guess, a phase where, you know, a lot of disagreements can occur. So before a couple decides to have a baby, it is really important to ensure that the couple has harmony between them because a baby is not going to fix a relationship if there are broken bits. It will probably cause those uh, broken bits to enlarge in gaps. So it is really a myth to think that, oh, if we have problems, let's have a baby because it will solidify our marriage. Times have changed. When people have babies and conflicts do occur even more, it becomes a greater incentive or motivation for people to consider splitting up. And this is what we're seeing in our modern day. So it's really important for issues to be ironed out. Go see a marriage counselor, work those issues out before starting a family. Because when a baby comes along as a wife, very often the wife will focus more on the baby. And this will cause the husband to feel neglected, uh, may even feel like you know he's no longer important anymore. And he might even start to regress and start to behave like a baby as well, which is not <laughs> going to be very helpful. Because um, then the wives get agitated instead of expecting her husband to become a man and become someone she can really lean on because now she has a, a dependent on her and that he's also there to support her. And so it's really a time that's really testing. And so even during the pregnancy, if there's a lot of bickering, it doesn't help the wife to have a smooth pregnancy because uh, she's then full of thoughts of, you know, am I doing the right thing? Is this marriage going to work? Will the baby actually have a good set of parents to grow up with? And these kind of doubts are often what leads to postnatal depression. So having a really happy harmony in the marriage is essential before embarking on having a baby. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to Health Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. Now, back to our conversation with Ms. Angie Chu. She's the founder and chief executive of the Brown Center. What are some of the tips you can give for them to resolve the conflicts? Are there things that they're not seeing, perhaps? I think the couple needs to still put aside time for couple time. <laughs> Uh, time that they're just going to be together without the baby. Because the father is not usually as excited or mesmerized by this baby as a, <laughs> compared to the mother. So as a husband, you know, he still wants time with his wife. And suddenly if the wife is like all about being mom and forgetting to be a wife. It could lead to a lot of unhappiness. And this will be showing up in various bickerings that happen. So it's important to put aside time and say, okay, every Saturday night, the couple is going to go out as a couple and the baby gets taken care of by domestic helper or by one of the parents and have the ability to be away from the baby to spend time together. And I think that's really important for them and also a chance for them to talk about some things about the heart instead of just getting through a list of tasks. Because after a while, couples exist just clearing lists of tasks. 
and start to coexist in um, taking care of the everyday things that they need to go through in life and forgetting the care for each other. And this needs the heart-to-heart connection. And that's why at the start of a relationship, it's always beautiful because uh, two people are not distracted by anyone else and they're just there focusing on each other. Heart-to-heart connection happens. But when they get married, the in-laws come into the picture, the expectations of what a marriage is going to be, and then uh, having to deal with financial management, having to deal with management of the home, management of their time, synchronizing their calendars. And these add complexities to a marriage. Right. So it's bringing the focus back to the couple, to each other. Yes. And to remind themselves as to why they have even come together as a couple and having planned to spend their lives together because they really believe they were going to be happy together. I mean, you attend every wedding event, you know, they're talking about how wonderful they have now found each other and it's their better half and how they thank their parents for raising their partner the way they have become. But after marriage, suddenly all that don't exist anymore it's like it's forgotten right (laughs) it's like why are you like that you know it must be because how your mother raised you and then starts to have this sort of accusatory remarks that can be very hurtful and starting to dislike Mm -hmm. each other's parents which really adds a strain on the marriage it's about bringing the focus back to each other right but even then you know in life not all marriages last some people split up Yes, some people do split up. And in these instances, it's really important if there are children to consider their children's well-being because some couples become so resentful and bitter towards each other that their arguments turn into fights and this ends up causing emotional damage on their kids. So not only they're emotionally damaging each other, whatever that they're shouting at each other or saying to each other, which are very unkind, becomes now a mental torment to their kids. The kids are are really shaken. It's like, how can my parents who supposedly love each other, especially once upon a time, they fell in love, and now they are at each other's necks. And they will feel so insecure and so hurt and so traumatized. And this is what leads to some children suffering from uh, anxiety attacks and also depression. And we're seeing more and more such cases in the community. So if parents really find that they can no longer be together, have an amicable split for the sake of their own mental well-being and especially for the sake of their children. Because the last thing I'm sure if they really consider their children, they wouldn't want their kids to end up having a mental illness. Yeah, that's true. I guess when people quarrel, they don't really think of that. So to put the focus back on the kids. Absolutely. I mean, after all, do they want their kids to end up taking to alcohol or taking to uh, certain uh, medication and smoking or getting involved in company that is going to just help them deal with their pain? And then some of these kids end up cutting their arms or their thighs because the emotional pain is so intense that they find that these uh, self-harm actually relieves them from emotional pain. So it is a distraction. Um, So a lot of people don't understand that. They think that self-harm is um, the problem. It's the emotional pain that is the problem. The self-harm is just a symptom in their way of coping with the emotional pain, which is so intense. Yes, I believe some people think that self-harm is about attention-seeking. Thanks for helping us understand what self-harming is about. So in these situations, right, I mean, what should the parents do then? The parents need to become kind to each other. And realize that, hey, you know, their marriage is not the only one that didn't work out. There are a large number of marriages that don't work out every year, not just in Singapore, worldwide. And so 
sometimes the uh, anger towards the partner and the blame on the partner for the marriage not working out becomes the source of this bitterness and the source of their self-shame, which doesn't help. So it becomes all about them and forgetting that they have children together and they need to still become exemplary parents to their children. And they are responsible for raising their kids together. I have seen couples that their situation is exacerbated because their lawyers are encouraging their clients to be incriminating towards each other for the sake of getting a larger part of their assets. Now, money doesn't always bring happiness. Sometimes the money actually brings more suffering. So if by giving up some of the money in order to have peace and harmony, there has to be something worthwhile out of that. And find lawyers that's going to help you to do a fair separation or divorce. And please don't use lawyers that are going to cause your relationship with your former spouse to worsen because this will only damage your children. It's also best for you to seek counseling, even if it's on your own, to work out those um, memories and, and the issues that have caused you so much pain. So your mind can be clearer in focusing on what is at hand, and that is to bear the um, happiness of your children in mind. I guess now it's common for joint custody, but maybe in some cases there can be one parent wanting to take one kid or something like that. You know, I guess that's going to be awful right, for the child. Well, the best approach is uh, joint custody and making sure that the children still have both parents to grow up with. And the parents need to avoid uh, saying anything bad about the other parent because uh, it's very traumatizing for a child to be going out with a parent or staying with a parent and hearing the awful things about the other parent. And it hurts them a lot. And this happens because the parent feels insecure and sees the need to make himself or herself come across to be the better parent in order to secure that relationship with the child. But what's more importantly is for the child to still have both parents they can look up to and that they are still their role models. Right. What happens to the parent who like disappears? I would say that even if the partner disappears, it's to still leave a, a good memory for the child to understand the parent why he or she disappeared and not blame that person or put that person down because uh, the child can't change the fact that that person was still his or her parent. And there's no need to paint him in a bad light. You can share the truth, but to help the child understand, because everyone has their inadequacies, their weaknesses, their shortcomings, and sometimes some of their past that they don't know how to deal with, the conditioning, their own trauma that may have caused them to run away. Right, that's very helpful actually. Thanks for the insights. Thank you. I think the world needs more understanding and less blame. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check. We hope you liked this episode with Miss Angie Chu, mindfulness expert and the founder and CEO of the Brown Centre. Thanks for listening. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.